Happy Sunday. Happy, congratulations on coming two weeks in a row. Um, you know, it's so great to be together. I'm so, like, just moved by the amazing um, baptism that we just experienced, seeing people get baptized and dunked, and it, there is something to that. Don't discount it or think it's just a religious act. There's something about they who believed and were baptized were saved. Now, it doesn't make you saved to be baptized. It's just an outward symbol uh, of letting the world know I identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? I think it's so important that we understand, you know, it, it's so easy to move on. Okay, what's next? But I feel like every Sunday at Life Changers is Easter. I know that everybody knows, like we're all, as Christians, we celebrate the resurrection all the time. But honestly, I feel like your pastor, our pastor, our team of pastors, we're always reminding you of what's already finished, what's already done. A lot of churches and, and religions try to tell you lists of things to do. And by the way, it's not their fault. We humans like someone to tell. We like for it to be spelled out for us what to do. We are inclined, if we're left to ourselves, the inclination of the human flesh nature is to lean towards someone tell me what to do because I don't know what to do. And so today I want to talk to you about how to answer the call of God. How to answer. What do you say? You see the power. You come into this place and you feel the power of God. Like, I'm. sounds like we're about to take off right now. But let it just be a picture of, you know, what God is about to do in your life because your life matters. That's what gets me out of bed every day. That's what gets me driving down here in the rain and the crazy highway. I love being down here because there's a hunger. There's a hunger. There's a need in the city. There's a need for this city. And the Bible says everywhere you tread your foot, it's given to you. So everywhere we go, every street corner you walk through, walk on, every business you walk into down in this city, you need to just claim it for Jesus. Every time um, you, I step on an airplane, I always declare, I touch the side of the plane, and I say, in Jesus' name, angels are around this plane. Every time somebody tells me something got lost, there was a friend of Olivia's in, um, who, his brother's house got robbed, and they broke into his safe. Now, his mother... Um, I don't know the whole story, but anyway, bottom line was he had like everything, um, all of his valuables, um, not just passports, but like all of the stuff you put in your safe, money and TVs. They came in and took everything out of his house and his safe, everything. And, and it was like a hopeless situation. It was like, even I was like, how does that happen? And he had just moved into a new place and they had the ring phone or the ring doorbell set up or they, they had bought it, but they hadn't set it up yet. And so Liv and I, I'm like, I, this verse I have stood on all my life. I'm not, I mean, since I've been a Christian and mostly since I've been a mom because kids lose things all the time. And so I always, I found this verse that says in Mark four, everything hidden must come to the light. So for everything that's hidden, it must come down. I can't tell you how many keys, phones, things that I've lost that I pray that verse. And, and so 
I'm like, okay, Olivia, nothing's hidden except to be revealed. Whatever's hidden is going to come to the light. It's going to be made known in Jesus' name. I mean, these guys are going to be found out, and everything's going to be restored sevenfold in Jesus' name. But even as I prayed it, I felt, how, oh, how, oh, oh, Lord, you know, how does this happen, and how can this, be, how can they recover, you know? So, anyway, two days later, she's like, oh, mom, guess what? They found the guys. I'm like, what? They were homeless guys that had come from Colorado that had come to, to California and, or Florida and just, I don't know how, but the pawn shops and police found all the stuff. They recovered everything. Everything got recovered. We serve a living God. You have a living God that created you and designed you. And all I feel today is the urge to let you know how to help you because I feel in here there's, there's a need. We've got to learn how to answer God's call and not just do the religious thing. Okay, do this, do that, do this. Well, this is what, you know, we've got to follow that voice, follow the word. And thank God you have a church. We have a church of people that believe and, and you've got the team that we have here Chandler and everybody here um, that, that have been here, Paul, Monica, and I can name all the names, um, our, our amazing worship team and our server team and our baptism team, our pastoral care team, our children's team. You know, I really want to encourage you to get plugged in, to get plugged in. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you about a situation that seemed kind of impossible. If you look with me in, in Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah 29 is a chapter that many of us maybe have already heard of because there's a famous verse. One of the verses, the first verses I ever heard when I became a Christian, I was a college student at U of I, and I knew one day I was gonna give my life to Jesus. I just wanted to wait and have fun first, and then when I wanna settle down, I'll be a Christian. You know, that was kinda of how I approached it. But God got a hold of me. God, it was his plan, not my plan. You know, sometimes we think, okay, I'll do this, 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 and then everything gets turned upside down. And about my junior year, I started realizing, wow, every single group of friends that I have, like people just change their mind. They say, let's do this, let's do this, let's go rebel here, let's do that and have fun here. And, do and, then, and then they change their mind on you. I don't know, it just really hit me that everybody changes. Um, but. And I just was like, Lord, I, I didn't say Lord. I was just telling myself, like, I got to find something that never changes. I got to find a group of friends. I got to peep. I can't even find Jeremiah. <laughs> there you go. But this verse, someone told me in verse 11, I know the thoughts and plans I have for you, says the Lord, thoughts and plans for welfare and peace, not for evil, to give you a hope in your final outcome. Verse 12, then you will call upon me. You will come and pray to me, and I will hear and he do. Now this is the God that I'm talking about. This is the God I, I'm like, whoa, this is real. This is for real. And by the way, um, you might know Joe and Tony, my brothers. They, they serve, um, they come to both campuses. You might see them. They both have totally gray hair. So you might not recognize them as being mine brothers, but no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I always joke Tony. Tony's my younger brother, but I'm like, Tony, you're like my older brother. You look like my dad, practically. Um, why don't you dye your hair? But he looks so cool with the silver, you know. He's the silver fox now, right? That's good. So, um, but Joe and Tony, when they got saved, I, I was in the summer of my junior year, and I'm coming to this church that was just kind of this little, you know, tiny little church in 
Crazy people, guys, crazy. Like, people just getting up and swirling around, doing all kinds of dancing, and I'm thinking, I'm used to, like, Catholic Church. I'm used to everyone having order. <laughs> and then, like, I'm like, oh, my God, this is crazy, you know? But, I, but every time I went there, I heard about this God who's alive, this God who has a call, and that there's things happening, and the kingdom of God is on the move, and you can't see it, but it's invisible. And I'm just like, whoa, this is for real? Like, and I started getting a real picture that there are more invisible things happening than there are visible. My life was so tuned into the natural. I was so tuned into what I was seeing with my eyes, and I was not aware of what the Holy Spirit was saying to my heart. And one day, they were going to get baptized. People were going to get water baptized. And I had given my life to Jesus, but I'm just coming to this church and thinking these people are crazy, but these people are happy and full of power. And the friends I have are losers. Like they're all unhappy and they all change their minds. And I don't know, they might look good, but they aren't good. These people look crazy, but they're good. There's something I could not get away from that fact. Sometimes you don't see because you're looking with your natural eyes and God's given you the Holy Spirit to see with eyes of the Spirit. And what does he do with the Holy Spirit when he comes? He fills us. I'm going to get back to my story, but he fills us. And there's holes inside of our heart sometimes, always, until we're born again. And when we get born again, the Holy Spirit fills us. It fills all those places that you tried to fit that boyfriend in to make that happiness come. You've tried to fit, you know, that college degree in to make you happy. You tried, to, you thought if I move to the city or if I move over to this state or if I go here, if I do that, I'll fill that hole. If I just can make more money, if I get a new car, if I can get a better husband, a better wife, if I divorce this one, if I get some children, if I have a baby, I could fill this. And the list goes on and on and on. And when will you reach that place of happiness? It's like when you die or when you're like at the end of your age. God wants us to hear him. I have a plan for you for good. To give you a future and a hope that's good. No matter where you're at right now in your life. I don't care if you've been here since day one in this church. Or this is your day one here. This is your first day with us. Maybe you're the youngest. Maybe you're the oldest. There's something good God wants to do in your life today. So what are you going to do about it? How are you going to answer? Because no one's going to spell it all out for you. I have like three different messages and I don't even know where to start because I don't know, because you, you got to get your heart emptied of all the stuff you've been filling it with, filling it with other things. And so God's trying to tell you something, but sometimes you don't hear it because you're full of other stuff or you're busy looking at every other thing. You know, Robert shared something um, a couple weeks ago about Jesus coming on a donkey. And the disciples didn't even realize as he's on this donkey, or the, now we know that it was the donkey and the colt. I never knew that. Did anybody else hear that, what Pastor taught? On, was it Good Friday? If you didn't hear that, you got to hear that message because I was blown away. I'm like, what? I thought he was on a donkey coming to Jerusalem. Apparently it's a donkey and a colt. It's just amazing. There's some meaning to, to that, but we don't have time for that. So Rob was talking about how the disciples didn't even realize. Like they were thinking, this is the king. Yes, he's coming. Now all you people who thought we were losers, get ready because this guy's about to take the throne and he's going to take over and everything's going to be good. They did not realize that he was riding into his death. He was riding into this moment that he came for. 
See, we think life comes from all the wins and all the winnings and all the affirmations and all the praise. But listen, don't be fooled because God does things a different way. And to, just to get to my story about Tony and Joe, just so you know, they were both stood up. He said, who's getting baptized today? So they both came into the front and a couple other people stood up there. And then the pastor said, now who isn't signed up but needs to get baptized too? And so I'm like, well, my brothers are doing it. I guess I'll do it too. And that's how my life, and that changed my life forever. I, the next day, I remember trying to go back to do the same old thing, the same old, same old. And I, and it wasn't about the water. Nothing happened in the water. It was my faith because I answered the call. I answered with one little step. And I want to teach you about how you just take the next step. It doesn't, you don't have to figure it all out overnight. You don't have to do everything that so-and-so is doing. All you need to do really to answer the call, well, the first thing is to, oh, God, I don't even know where to start. I think you got to listen. you got to listen. You have to have ears to hear. You have to listen for God's voice. And you hear that through your pastor, through your church, through the word of God. You don't listen to the false sayers who are trying to tell you, oh, you shouldn't have to go to that church and you should not um, give your tithe. And you, what is that crazy speaking in tongues? And I mean, does God really heal today? Because why did you pray and nothing happened? And these naysayers that will, and the voices that will come to you, what happened in Jeremiah 29, it, we looked at the verse 11, which is glorious, but let's go to verse four. And what's happened here is, well, let me just give you a little context real quick because we don't have time really to read everything. But here's the bottom line. These Jews were taken in exile, and they were taken away, and they were now held captive in Babylon. The prophet, Jeremiah, is still in Jerusalem, and so he sends word to them because there's been these people around them that are telling them the wrong things. So they're in exile, and they're thinking, we just got to get out of it. This is so wrong. This is so bad. We got to get out of this somehow. How did we get ourselves here? You know, shame hits you really hard by... When you're in trouble, and I don't know if anybody is in trouble right now, maybe you're in a situation, bills you can't pay, a relationship that you just can't resolve, um, something in your life, a habit that you just have not been able to break, and you just feel like, how am I ever going to get out? And you feel stuck in this situation. And sometimes we just feel like, oh, I'm stuck in this situation. I'm stuck in this bad marriage. i got to get out of this marriage because it's hindering my calling. God wants me to do these things, and I'm with I'm here, or these kids are driving me crazy, or I'm stuck in the children's ministry, I'm on the wrong team, I should be on the team at the front where people are praying for someone. And we sometimes get stuck in our mind thinking, oh, we're just stuck in this thing. I gotta get out of this thing. This is what's my problem. So these people are exiled, and Jeremiah sends the word of the Lord in verse four. He says, thus says the Lord, to all the captives whom I've caused to be carried into exile, so you can stop right there and be like, whoa, God is sending them. Now, some of you may have heard me share this a little bit. You've probably heard, um, but you need to hear this again. I need to hear this again. Because he says here, because there's some things that God has allowed in our life. He didn't cause it. But he allowed it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying God gave you cancer. God had that man cheat on you, so now you're divorced and you're alone. Listen. It might feel like this is the end of the world. And they felt like this. And the Lord is saying through Jeremiah, look, I want you to stay right there. 
I want you to stay right where you're at because I'm doing something. Build yourself houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, eat the fruit on them, take wives and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons, give daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and don't be diminished and seek the peace and welfare of the city to which I've caused you to be carried away captive. There he says it again. And it seems like a, uh, it's like, God, wait, I thought you're good. Why would you do that? I, have, I don't know if anyone here is ever honest with God. I'm sure you are. But I have honest talks with God. I'm like, Lord, what? How? Why? Why, why did that happen? That's not, I'm so, I don't understand. And we have to have these real talks. And that's how to build this relationship, right? And you have to be yourself. Don't go under the religion facade of, oh, praise the Lord. Well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You know, I can't and just stuff those feelings down. And then what happens is one day it's like a teapot. It just explodes. And you get angry and you quit and you just. So it's okay to listen to God. And then listen to the word of the Lord through the Bible and through your pastor. Because that's everyone needs to be plugged into a church. You need a man of God, an angel. There was an angel for every church in Revelations. And that angel is that man of God that God appoints. And, and, and the team that he appoints um, and to lead you. Um, but, but, because that's how God gives gifts to the body of Christ, Ephesians 4, right? So that every joint can supply. Every joint is important. Every person is important. Um, but he, it's family. It's family. And so we got to stay. So that's, anyway, this is my, my point right here. He says, um, stay right there in the city and, and be a blessing and cause the city around you to be blessed. I pray, and pray to the Lord for it, for in the welfare of the city in which you live, you will have welfare. Amen. Thank you. For thus says the Lord of hosts, let not the false prophets and diviners who are in your midst deceive you. Pay no attention and attach no significance to their dreams, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed, then I will visit you and my good promise to you, causing you to return to this place. Meaning, I'm going to get you out of this, but it's going to be a while. I want you to stay right there. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand. If you are in a situation at your work where your boss is abusing you, your boss is, or your husband or a wife is beating you, uh, men get beat up too, by the way, not just women. And if you are, I'm not saying if someone is physically harming you, you just need to stay right there and take it. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is don't be quick to shake off like this, ew, this situation, I don't like it. I don't feel good about it. I, it doesn't make me feel good. You know, because in those situations, when you can stay your ground and you can hold on to God's promise, because there is that waiting time. Okay, I don't want anyone to go out of here with like a fairy tale, like, oh, you know, you get baptized and everything's good. No. What happens is you take the stairways of humility. The next step, the first step is to listen. The next step is to stay right here. Stay in God's presence. Stay, because he got you there, and he's doing something in your life. Don't run when problems hit, okay? Oftentimes, we want to run away. We want to, this is, and I'm going to share with you how to escape, to really, truly escape out of these things, you know, while you stay right there. Um, because we often think if I can change my environment, I'll change. By the way, that's a secular philosophy. Um, public schools, and I'm a teacher, public schools, government, many um, secular 
businesses, corporations, they believe in this behavior modification. You change the environment. Now, there is some truth to having some nice things around you, but if you change the environment, you change the person. But this is a perfect example of God saying, you don't have to change your environment. You don't have to change anything around you. What you need to do is hold on to my promise and listen to me. Listen to me. Amen. Amen. Stay right there. Don't listen to guys who say, oh, this is wrong, because guess what? There's peace. I got to read you. I'm just going to read you some thoughts because this will make sense to you. Um, I don't know if I can get this right because this, this helped me so much. Um, the peace and fulfilling lives that these people were called to live did not come on the back of no problems. They came on the back of captivity and exile. It's the inner stability that allows us to have a full life in the, um, in the desert, right there in the desert. Where's your desert right now? You're trying to get out of that desert. You're trying to say, this is, just, this is wrong, this is wrong, and, and this is bad. Right there, you and God alone are enough. You plus God, that's enough. So when you're relying on other people and you're relying on everything around you to be your answer, and I'm not saying so that means you don't need to go to church. Here's where you hear the word of God. And they were called together, but they were carried away captive. They right there, right there in that broken place, in that place that felt like wrong. It felt like exiled. Jeremiah is saying, don't try to get out of this. Um, don't, don't, it's going to be good, not because you get out of this problem, but because I'm with you. This is what God's saying. I'm with you right in the middle of this problem. How many's got a problem? How many have a problem today? I mean, I know I do. It's Monday morning tomorrow. That's a problem. Okay. I'm going to wake up. And I'm like, oh, it's Monday morning. But see right there, I challenge you tomorrow morning when you wake up to remember this, that right there in the midst of the problem, you're going to have a full life. You can have fun. You can have fun. You know, sometimes I have a long day. I've got classes to teach. I've got things, answers i got to come up with, things i got to solve, right? I'm like, ah, I can have meetings that can kind of be intense. And I'm like, how am I going to answer? How am I going to take care of this and this and this? And, and then I decide, you know, I'm right here, right here, me and you, Jesus. We're going to have fun today. So it's not just listening to him and staying with him. It's having an expectation of some good. God's saying, I'm going to take care of you. And you're going to have welfare. When you take care of the welfare of the city and of the place that you're in. So, so, you know, in that time, in that marriage, it's, it's maybe not perfect. Um, in that relationship, in that, you know, maybe, look, you can't make relatives change and stop trying to change them. You know, we try to change the people we love. Instead, just love Jesus and you'll change because you'll be happy regardless of them. That's what I'm trying to say. That's how do you answer. So basically he's saying it isn't necessarily gonna happen. Um, this, it comes from relying on God, abiding in him, all right? We are not the ones who are gonna make things happen. It's him, it's abiding in him, letting him flow through us. See, it isn't necessarily going to happen in Jerusalem, but it can happen right there in Babylon where it's hard, where things are critical, um, where things are tough, where think, we're facing adversity all the time. So, 
what do we do? What do we do then in that moment? We're, we're facing these tough times. It seems like inflation's never gonna end. <laughs> Feels like today, there's just things that we are just like, God, is there ever gonna be a breath of hope? You know, we're gonna stay right here. We're gonna listen to God. We're gonna enjoy our life and we're gonna create a better life for other people around us. And as we do, our lives are gonna get better. So here's, let me just take you quickly through some little steps that Jesus took. And if you don't mind, because I know that it is the Easter season, um, if we could rewind just a little bit to when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, in Mark chapter 14, in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now Gethsemane, does anybody know what that means? Do you know that Pastor and I went there? We actually went to Israel, and he preached a sermon. I have it on my computer. We've never aired it. We've never shown it. I, I filmed him on my phone. On my iPhone. I know. I got to clip it and post it. Um, but right in the garden, and it's kind of, I mean, that's where everyone thinks this is the place. But anyway, in this moment, this Gethsemane, what it means is the, where the olives are pressed. There's a pressing. And that's how you make olive oil. You press these olives. There's a pressure that comes. It's a pressing. And this is why I want, how do you answer the call? You have to listen. You've got to stay abiding in the vine. Just stay your ground. Get plugged in. And look up. Expect that good. But expect also that in the moment, you're going to feel pressure. It's not going to happen the way you thought it might happen. How do you prepare for a trial? I don't know. I don't think you can, because I think we try to get all ready and make sure we sanitize our life, troubleshoot everything, not going to have any problems today, right? You think everything's going to be, I got, I got this cute husband I'm going to marry, I got to have a little, I got a nice little job, I got a plan, and everything's going to be dandy and excited. That was a pastor word, dandy. That's something, he's so old-fashioned in his words, isn't he? Sometimes I love it. But anyway, everything's just going to be fine. But until, all of a sudden, life happens. But when the oxen are treading out the grain, the, grain, the, the manger is messy. It's not clean. Only when the manger's, you know when the manger's clean? When nothing's happening. So we are a church. We're going to build. We're going to create welfare for the city of Chicago. We're going to create welfare for the suburbs. We're going to create and become, we're going to be rooted, multiply our families. We're going to have spiritual children. We're going to have natural children. We're going to grow and multiply right here and where everything's not perfect, but the presence of God is with us, okay? And so in this Garden of Gethsemane, it says, before we get to this verse, thank you for that, verse 35. If you could back up to verse 34 and 33, actually. Um, it says, he took with him... Peter, James, and John, and he began to be sore amazed and to be very heavy. Now, in the Amplified, it says it like this, and I, I, wanna, I want you to hear this because Jesus needs to get the credit for everything he, he went through. But it says that he was struck with terror, deeply troubled, and depressed. You know, sometimes we don't even want to admit when we're depressed. He was honest about how he's feeling. And I think that's another step. And I don't know, I'm going to lose count on how many steps I'm giving, but I'm giving you little steps. He was honest. I'm overwhelmed. I feel, he says, I was gr I'm grieved. This isn't amplified. I'm grieved beyond. My soul is exceedingly sad and overwhelmed with grief so that it almost kills me. He said, my soul is exceedingly sad. He was overwhelmed. He felt, um, 
struck with terror, deeply troubled and depressed. And it kind of sounds depressing even when you say the word depression. You get depressed just saying the word depression. You know, it's like a depressing word. Um, and I'm not saying everybody here is depressed, but I will tell you that if you're gonna answer the call, you have to be willing to not, to, to, make, to master your emotions, to not let your emotions be God. Because there are gonna be days you're gonna wake up and you're gonna be like, why do I feel depressed? Why do I feel sad? What is wrong with me? And you know what you're gonna have to do? You're gonna have to like, like I'm just putting these glasses right here, you're just gonna set them on the shelf. I don't have to dig down and figure it all out right now. You don't have to do that. You have, you're abiding in the vine. He knows everything. But we try to put it on ourselves and fix ourselves. You put it over there and say, you know, I have these feelings, but Lord, I'm putting them here. I'm telling you how I feel. I'm gonna be honest. But I'm not gonna have to be mulling over it all day long. You will find yourself happy in relationships, at work, group projects, things you're doing with teams, maybe your team in church, maybe you're not getting along with somebody and you get, oh, you have anxiety when you get to church, you're like, oh, this person's I'm working again today and I don't get along with this person. I'm sure nobody feels this way, but me, I've had that feeling, you know, at times. And, and then I've learned like, you know, I'm just gonna put that feeling aside. That is not me. I don't have to figure that out. I don't have to drill down on that. I can just, me and Jesus, me and Jesus, I can stay right here. I can do this because he's with me. And so Jesus said, I'm going to, he will sit here and pray. So the first thing he does, he's honest about it. Then he, then he prays. And you know what? He, he just said, sit here and pray. It wasn't like we got to fast all day long. We got to pray all night long. Just sometimes you gotta sit. Sometimes you just pray one quick thing, Lord, help me. And you'll be amazed how much that does. Lord, just lift your hands and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you that your angels are watching over my children. I don't have to fret and be afraid over them. I don't have to be afraid of a virus. I don't have to be afraid that my, my um, great uncle who's in the nursing home and that he's gonna be okay. Like we have these situations sometimes that we can't control, but they give us anxiety. And we can just pray. We can talk to God. That's what Jesus did. And what I love here is that he, then it says in verse 35 that he's going a little further. But if you go back to the New King James, he moved forward a little. And I think that's really the crux of what I'm trying to say to you today. How do you answer the call? You move forward a little. You listen. You stay right where you're at. You don't quit the team. You don't quit the marriage. You don't quit your kids. You don't quit your job. You don't quit you know, Chicago, be like, forget this, I'm just going to, you know, I mean, if God calls you to New York or wherever, I mean, you do whatever God says, but, but we're so good at running. We're so good at escaping. And this really is the anointing to escape. That's kind of what I'm talking about, the anointing to escape without having to, like, leave. Jesus is facing this terror, this horror, this night, and even Jesus is praying that somehow, if it's possible, that it might be removed. And he's perfect. And he has the Father, he has got access to heaven, right? So if he feels depressed, why do you condemn yourself when, or think there's something wrong with you when you feel depressed or discouraged? Because he, he what, what did he do? He went to pray. And then it says right after that, oh yeah, where are my glasses? Gotta pick up my glasses again. Um, and he says, going, moving for a little, he fell on the ground. You know, we can all do that. Maybe you don't have to fall on the ground. Maybe you just kneel down. Or 
just close your eyes where you are. Maybe you're on the bus and you don't want to get on your knees, but you're on the bus and you're driving or you're like on the, you're driving with somebody. You can close your eyes and you can just, or yeah, if you're driving, don't close your eyes, first of all. <coughs> Make that clear. Um, I don't like the cars that they, they show in the commercials. People like, I'm like, I don't like that. Whatever, I'm old fashioned probably, but anyway. But you can just inside, yeah, even if you're keeping your eyes open, inside you're like, Lord, I'm, I'm calling in you, I'm listening, I'm gonna go deep now, I'm gonna listen to you, because right now everything around me seems crazy, crazy. What are you saying? It's like Rob said, when that colt and the donkey were carrying Jesus, the disciples didn't know. They thought he's gonna be king now. But guess what? He goes to the cross, and nine out of the, or 11 out of the 12 run away. They're running for their lives. But this was their king that they believed in. And that's so true about the resurrection, how powerful it is that after the resurrection, all of them gave their lives up for the gospel. Um, and Peter, worst of all, Peter became the strongest of all. And that's a miracle in itself. If anyone doesn't believe the resurrection, just study Peter. <laughs> but so we move forward a little. Jesus moved forward a little. And then um, he fell to his knees. I know you've heard pastors say this, but there was something about this that I just felt like this is our way of escape. Because it says, he kept praying, if it were possible, that it might be removed. And then he said, Father, everything is possible for you. Take away this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And, and then he went again and prayed, verse 39, with the same words. He came back a third time. The, the disciples were still sleeping. But... Obviously, his, last, his, mo his moment was, Lord, not my will, but your will. And in that moment, everything changed. He leaned into, he leaned into the cross. Now, we don't all, none of us are going to be, none of us need to carry the cross or go to the cross. Jesus did that for us. There's some things that only Jesus can do. But we can fall to our knees. We can pray. And, you know, I like how Pastor says this from his book in Soul Cure. You could read about this. Everything I'm sharing with you, you can read in chapter um, 11 on depression or 10. I think it's chapter 10 on depression. But he says, he goes, after Jesus fell to the ground, he prayed, praying not what we might have expected from the mighty Son of God, praying that if it were possible, the cup of suffering and sacrifice would pass. Sometimes prayer is simply a cry to God saying, we don't want to do what we know we need to do. But this is an important step because it represents honesty. We must not stuff down our feelings, but express them to God. Jesus was human. So often we focus on his divine nature and forget that he had real feelings like ours. And this is how you follow Jesus' steps. He had real feelings. You have real feelings. You express your feelings to God just like he did. You're not strong when you suppress your emotions. You're actually making it harder on yourself. Ignoring them doesn't work. Ignoring pain, trouble, and conflict, it doesn't work. Acknowledging it honestly is what works. And Jesus um, felt anything you could possibly feel. He felt it in that moment. But then what does he do? He surrenders. He expresses his feeling, and he makes his choice. And he said, if it can pass, let it pass. But not my will, but your will be done. So if you go to... Luke 22, verse 43, um, in Luke's account, I just want you to see this because it doesn't share it in Mark, but in Luke 22, 
the final step here, which is really awesome, because right when you make that decision, listen, everybody, it's that valley of decision. It comes when you weren't ready for it. It's going to come. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to maybe fail at times, but you've got to be able to get back up. Isn't that what the resurrection is all about? Getting back up. And sometimes we don't understand. We didn't, they saw the cult. They thought, okay, this is it. But then he goes to the cross and it's confusing. But then when they saw he rose from the dead, it all made sense. Even then, when he was about to go back up to heaven, he said to them, now I'm giving you power, but stay, stay. And they're like, isn't this the time you're going to come and restore the kingdom of the Jews? And we're going to, like, you're going to be the king. And he's like, don't, don't try to think of it the way the natural mind goes. Don't live this, answer this call. You can't do it the way you were doing it before. It's going to happen from the inside out. The Holy Spirit's going to fall upon you, come in from within you. It's going to be within you and come upon you. Did you know that the flood of Noah, when the flood happened, it didn't just rain for 40 days and 40 nights? Do you know that the ground broke up and water gushed up also? There was water that came up from the ground and came down. So you're going to have times, moments in church where you're going to feel the presence of God tangibly. You're going to feel it. In fact, right now, I believe healing is taking place in this auditorium. I've been praying and expecting, and you need to expect that presence of God because what, why are we not aware? Why are we, you know, the women were at the tomb and they were like thinking, oh, the, the stones rolled away. But Jesus had told them over and over he was going to rise from the dead, but they didn't get it because we're not thinking we're thinking with our natural brain and we're not listening with our heart. That's why from Old Testament Jeremiah telling them, exiles, I know that you guys are there, but God's saying, just don't worry. He's got you. He has a plan and he's got a plan for good and a future to give you a hope. I'm coming. He's going to come. It's going to take a while, but just get, so don't try to brush off the things that are hurting you. Just, just stay and focus on what's in you. And let, does this make sense? Let the presence of God inside you I can't tell you how many times I felt broken on the inside. I felt like I just want to run away and quit the ministry and quit being a pastor and quit my marriage and quit my kids and quit my school and quit these things that are because there's a lot of pressure. But in that garden, there's pressing pressure. If you are facing pressure, all you have to do is take a little step forward. Take a little step forward. Pray. Listen. Get all the eyes off of people and things, and your surroundings, and let your, and f let the fear of the Lord, where you see him only, that's what the fear of the Lord is, turning away from everything else, and looking at him, and you'll see what's happening, you'll see, you might think your husband looks like a frog, but you kiss the frog, and he becomes a prince, like these things, I know that's just a silly illustration, but that is what happens if whatever is a frog in your life right now that you're like, ew, I hate this frog, I want to get away from this frog, this job, this, this home, this car, this uh, relationship, this family, whatever. But you know, when you begin to let the kiss of the sun, Jesus kiss you in the moment where you decide not my will, but your will, suddenly it's like from black and white TV becomes color. All of a sudden, the frog becomes a prince. Suddenly, life comes, and you made that happen by your faith, by you taking that step of faith. Everything becomes beautiful. I know that sounds tales, but honestly, guys, there are more angels in this room than there are people. There are more things happening around this world that God is doing. There are more with you than against you. So why are you waiting for everybody else to do it for you? That's what they wanted. They wanted Jesus to be the king so that everyone would listen to them. But they had to forge in their own heart faith, courage, 
pressing, believing God at all costs. Who cares what it looks like? Who cares that I, I have to get back up a seventh time? It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm worth it because the blood made me worthy. Amen. And in this final moment, it says an angel appeared. This is where the beauty comes in because he passed, this, he passed through that fire. And he wasn't burned. And he leaned into the pain. He leaned into the trouble. He said, not my will, but your will. And he leaned in and he went through the cross and he did everything. Went down to the hell. Not just to go to hell, but he went and took the keys and took authority. And he had to take a risk that God might not raise him from the dead. Maybe he missed something. God took a risk that Jesus might not go all the way. They did it together. So we are just get to be benefactors of it. We're not the ones making it happen. That's how you got to answer the call. Know that the covenant is between Jesus and God. The devil's out of the picture. The devil has no power over you. All he can do is blind you and make you think that he has power. Make you think this sickness and disease is going to be the end of you. This financial thing is going to be the end of you. You think this is... No! Don't wait for that to be solved. You decide. Decide, Lord, your will. You want to promote me. You want to bless me. You want to give me all beyond what I could even imagine. So I'm not going to think small anymore. I'm not going to wait for this little crumb of bread, crust of bread to come to me and just hope so. I'm going to go high because I'm abiding in you. I'm going to start dreaming bigger. That's what's going to happen. You're going to take off and you're going to recognize the grace of God that comes when you humble yourself. And that's what Jesus had to do. Even Jesus had to humble himself. And this final scripture, it says... In verse uh, 22 of verse 43, it says, There appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him in spirit. That angel came and strengthened him. He needed that strength. It came from heaven. It didn't come from people. It didn't come from the guys who he was around, which they were good guys, too. They were all moving forward with him. But they were human people. And human people are not our answer. Okay, we, we, we are together as a body of Christ. We bring an anointing. You come into the doors of this church, you have an anointing on your life. You need to take a step forward in that anointing. Like, there's next steps coming up next week. I want you, if you have been in a ministry, but you've been out for a while, or you've been out of church for a while, maybe you have a friend or two that's been just watching online, get them here because it's time. It's time. God is saying, I, I want you to be a blessing to the city. And as you do this, you are going to bless your life. You're going to build up your life. You're going to see your dreams. It's going to become beautiful. But your faith is going to make it happen. It's not going to be pastor's got to do it or someone else has got to have to come and do it. No, you are going to, you're anointing. Beyond your human strength. Amen? And that and heaven, heaven, these angels, guys, they're around us. They're helping us. You speak to them. That man found recovered everything that was lost. Do you think that was an accident? No. We the two of us agreed, me and Olivia, and it happened. I believe when you agree with us or we agree or you two agree, like there's power. Why are we waiting for the power to be out coming from out here? It's in us. So Lord. Thank you, and I know I've gone over time. Chandler, you got to come up and close this out and pray for us. Um, do you want to just do that real quick? And I love you all so much, and I just release the power of the Holy Spirit upon you. I release the power of the Holy Spirit for you to take the next step in your life. Maybe you're at the place where you just need to listen. Maybe you're at the place where you need to 
um, just pray. Maybe you're at the place where you need to now take that step forward. Say, Lord, I didn't really want to get involved in a ministry. I didn't really want to be on a team. I don't really like this team I'm on. But this is your chance to take, stay with it and give your best and start looking up and getting heavenly anointing on your life and trusting the anointing, not just your physical cleverness, not just your outward beauty, which you're all beautiful and handsome, not just your money or your status in life. That is not what is going to build you into the promotion that God has for us, for this church, for you individually, and for this city. So, Lord, we release the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Fill every hole. Fill every emptiness. Thank you that you're on our side. You're with us and you're for us. You're with us and you're for us right now. We just let go of trusting that person, trusting the, per the person who ignored us, the person who didn't thank us, the person who forgot about us, the person who didn't call us. We forgive them right now. We actually thank you, Lord, for that because it awakens in us our need for you. Lord, in the midst of this problem, we have peace because you are with us. You are with us. Show us the next step. Not our will, but your will. Show us the next step. Show us, Lord, how we can serve our community, serve through our church, serve our church, serve one another and love one another, help one another. Help us, Lord, do this. We thank you for taking us into this new season. And Lord, I thank you. We're unstoppable when we're together in unity. In Jesus' name, amen. Chandler, come and just close out and pray.